time. It's Sunday morning, and we're happy you're here to join with us. Now, before I get into anything else, let me make this announcement. This little book is called The Easter Challenge. It's a 30-day devotional. It's a journey that we hopefully will all take together into a deeper faith. You start today, and you read the first devotional. There will be 29 more after that. And hopefully from the, at the end of the month, we'll all be, have grown in our faith and our walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to have these for you. Between 2 and 4 today, Linda and I are going to be in the foyer of the church. These will be on the front porch in a basket or in a box, whatever. And we invite you to come and get one for each member of your family. Now, we only have 100. So the first 100 that show up and get these, they'll be yours. Now, if you can't come this afternoon, you can call us tomorrow between 10 and 1 or any day during the week. And if we're here and we still have some left, we will make the arrangements to get you this book. I would like for as many as possible to read the Easter Challenge, which is a 30-day journey into a deeper faith. So if you'll do that, uh, I believe it will be a real blessing to you, and we want as many as possible to do that. Um, now, we welcome you again on this Easter Sunday morning to the First Baptist Church. Now, there's a lot of bad news going around this Easter about this uh, virus that's going around. But here's the good news on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus Christ is alive. He has arisen. He has conquered death in the grave. And because he lives, we live also. Now, I don't know where you could ever find any better news than that. Think about this a minute. All across the world, not just the United States, all across the world, two, not million, two billion people will celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has arisen from the dead. Two billion people around the world will worship him and celebrate that we serve a risen Savior. Paul tells us in his gospel, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile because we're still in our sins. But then Paul gives you the good news. He goes on to say, Christ has indeed been risen from the dead. And because he lives, we live also. My sermon today is entitled, Easter Folded Clothes. Easter Folded Clothes. You say, Pastor, that's a very strange title. Well, I'm a very strange pastor. But anyway, that's the title, Easter Folded Clothes. Now, let me share a little secret with you. And I hope my wife can't get over here to me while I'm sharing this. I don't like doing the wash. You know, but here's the deal. There are 13 steps in the parsonage that lead down to the basement. They're very steep steps. And Linda, after her seventh operation, is not really able to take those 13 steps. It might be kind of bad if she tried it. So I'm the one that's been elected. There were only two of us voting. And I'm the one that was elected to go down and do the wash, and then put them in the dryer. Like I say, hooray for me, but I don't really like doing that. Now, I put them in the wash, 
And sometimes I remember to put those soap suds in, sometimes I don't. And then I move them over to the dryer after the washer finishes. It goes off like a time bomb when it finishes. Put them in the dryer and then I try to remember there's some little paper or something, I don't know. You put that in there and that makes them smell good. I don't always remember to do it, but I try to if I possibly can. I just have so many things to remember. But anyway, here's the deal that Linda and I have worked out. I wash them. Well, I mean the machine does. I dry them. I mean the machine does. And then I take them, then I throw them in a basket. And I take them upstairs. And then Linda folds them. Because evidently folding the clothes is much beyond my professionalism is much beyond what I'm capable of doing. They have to be folded a certain way, they have to be put away a certain way, and there's no way that I could possibly, at this stage of my life, learn how to do that. So, I've learned that it's very important the way that you fold the clothes and put them away. But what's it have to do with the first Easter? Well, I wanna tell you. You'll remember about six, uh, remember on that Friday afternoon, Jesus was crucified. We call it Good Friday, but what a horrible day that was. The day our Lord and Savior was hung on that cross. The day he was crucified. Now, by the time they got him back down and tried to anoint the body, it was getting pretty late in the day. There was a man named Joseph of Arimathea, and he had a tomb, and he had a friend of his named Nicodemus, and evidently Nicodemus was maybe a recent convert. They had a tomb in the garden and they tried to anoint the body as best they could, prepare it for uh, burial as best they could, but they were running out. Because after six o'clock on a Friday, you couldn't do any type of work. So they took the body and as best they could, they prepared it for burial, but they, like most men, probably didn't do a very good job. And they got it to the tomb, they put the body in the tomb. But due to the time restraints, they were not able to do it properly. So on that first Easter Sunday morning, over 2,000 years ago, some ladies journeyed to the tomb. The reason they went there was to properly prepare the body for burial. They would have to wipe away the blood that was on the body of Jesus. They would have to uh, be the ones to, the last ones to touch him and to close his eyes. As they neared the tomb, all of a sudden, a thought came to them. Who's going to remove the stone? They knew that a stone, probably weighing a couple of tons, a boulder, had been put in front of the entrance to that tomb. Who's going to remove the stone? The stone. And as they went along, they this might be a, a needless trip. We might get there and we can't get into the tomb to do what we need to do. They worried about it. Let me ask you something. Have you ever worried about something that never happened? Have you ever worried about something that God had already taken care of it? There wouldn't be any problem. In this case, God just brought a violent earthquake, and that stone was no more a problem. God had the problem solved. He solves a lot of your problems, a lot of mine, a lot of things that we worry about, 
he, he's already gone there and he's already solved them. Solving problems that maybe we don't know how to solve. I want to tell you something. This pandemic, he's already got that problem solved. He's going to solve that problem and we will go on. They didn't, they got to the tomb and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there wasn't a stone there to meet them. There was an angel there to meet them. And that angel said to them, don't, this is what angels learn in angel school. This is the first thing they learn. They say, do not be afraid. Because I don't know if you've ever met an angel or not, but when you do, you're going to be afraid. Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. No, he's not here. He has risen, just as he said. I want you to come and look into the place where they buried him and where they laid him. And so they did do that. And then the angel said, I want you to go and tell the disciples. I want you to tell Peter. And so they ran to the disciples. And all of a sudden, Peter and John come running to the tomb to see what has happened. Have they stolen the body of Jesus? I think that's what those ladies believed. Maybe John and Peter believed that. They come running to the tomb. Peter starts out in the lead. But evidently, John was a lot younger. And he must have been a lot faster because it didn't take long before John was in the lead. And he got to the tomb first, but when he got there, he stopped. He stopped immediately and he looked in. And he saw the body is not in there. Jesus is not in there. About that time, here comes Simon Peter. He's coming about like a freight train. And he comes barreling right through. He doesn't stop. He goes right in. And the Bible says what they saw, the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, were folded by themselves, separate from the linen. When Peter went into the tomb, the Bible says he was amazed. It's empty. The Bible says Simon Peter was amazed. And, but when John went in and he looked and there neatly folded were the grave clothes. There neatly folded were the grave clothes. And that spoke to John. The Bible says when John saw those clothes neatly folded, it says two words. He believed. He believed when he saw that. When he saw the way the clothes had been folded, the Bible says John believed. Now, evidently, the way we fold and leave our clothes gives a testimony to our lifestyle and to our personality. On that first resurrection morning, when they arrived at the tomb, there was Jesus' burial clothes, neatly separated, wrapped and folded, as if they had been borrowed for just a short time. No haste involved. I believe folded just as the disciples had possibly seen Jesus fold his clothes so many times. When John saw it, 
It was enough to convince him that Jesus was alive. And he believed. He believed the empty tomb today, the empty cross today, those folded clothes scream to us, resurrection, resurrection. Why are the burial clothes neatly folded? Why are they so important? Because it showed there was no hurry. There was no panic. There was no haste. Think about this. Many said they stole the body. If they stole the body, would they take time to neatly fold everything? There wasn't any haste. There wasn't any hurry. They didn't steal the body. Jesus arose from that grave. If robbers break into your house and they steal everything they want, they're not going to put everything back the way they found it. They're just going to ransack your house. That would have been the way the tomb would have been had that body been stolen, but it wasn't. Jesus Christ arose on that resurrection morning. You may wonder, can Jesus solve my problem? Can Jesus solve what I'm going through this morning? Can he solve this uh, pandemic that we're going through, this virus that we're suffering? I want to tell you, that one that arose from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning, he can solve any problem, any situation, any challenge that you may be facing on this Easter Sunday morning. He can lead you out of whatever you may be going through. We need to get a glimpse this morning. We need to get a glimpse of the empty tomb. And we need to understand that because he lives, we live also. We need to understand that because he lives, he's in control. And he's out of the way of every situation that we ever face in life. You say, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I know the one that will take you through it. And that one is Jesus Christ. I remember I like to study history. And one of the people that I study about in history is Sir Winston Churchill. Almost single-handedly when they were going through, when England was going through World War II. Almost single-handedly Winston Churchill rallied them gave them the courage to keep going. He would come on the, on the radio and, and with that deep voice of his, he would, we'll never give up, we'll never give up. And he would rally the people to keep going. Those were dark days, but he rallied the people and he kept them going. When he died, just before he died, he planned his own funeral service. It was to be held at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It was truly going to be a magnificent service that he planned. Here's the way it ended. After they pronounced the benediction, there was a man way up in the cathedral, and with his bugle, he played taps. We see that happen many times at many funerals. As the funeral ended, he played taps, signaling that a soldier had died. A soldier had made the trip and gone home. But here's what was different. The minute he hit the last note and taps, there was another bugler in another part of the cathedral, and he played reveling. 
He played reveille. Now, if you've been in the army, they play that when you get up in the morning. It signals, it's time to get up. It's time to arise. It was Churchill's way of saying, although he had died because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that first Easter Sunday, he was going to live again. And let us be reminded of that fact on this Easter Sunday. The message of Easter Christ the Lord has risen today. The tomb could not hold him. Death could not keep him. He is alive. He is alive forevermore. The tomb is empty. Jesus has arisen. The devil can't defeat him. The grave has lost its victory. Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus Christ has risen. And we have, as that old song says, victory in Jesus. And because of what Jesus did on that first Easter Sunday, we'll live forever in a place called heaven. Let me tell you just a couple things about it. We'll never get old in that place called heaven. You say, well, that's not such good news. If you're my age, that's real good news. We'll never get old in that place called heaven. We'll never even be sick there. We'll never be sad there. There'll be no more tears there unless there would be tears of joy. There'll be no funerals in that place. I've told you many times, I've done over 400 funerals. If I never have to do another one, that'll be fine with me. And when we get to heaven, there'll never be another funeral. Just wonderful, wonderful joy forever and forever and forever. Jesus told, told us, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. Though I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and forever. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. What will history write about this pandemic that we're going through, this virus, coronavirus that we're going through? Maybe it'll write that some pastors we creative and they had outdoor services we read about one in mississippi that was having an outdoor service but they came and arrested him some past pastors might uh say that we refused to close our doors and we held services anyway uh, and we got in trouble for it some women um write that the local churches were taking care of the orphans that come from something like this you say, well, you think they'll write that? Well, I don't know. But back in 1918, when they had the Spanish flu, that is exactly, that's where I got those quotes from. From 1918, when they had the Spanish flu, that's what they wrote. I want to tell you, the Spanish flu passed. And this pandemic is going to pass too. This too shall pass. What an awesome time to be alive. You say, Pastor, are you sure about that? Yeah, what an awesome time to be alive. I know what you're saying. Really? Yes, really. Now, like you, I get discouraged. I get disappointed. I even get disheartened once in a while. When we go through storms as we're in now, sometimes that happens. And one of the favorite sayings now is, could it get any worse? Could it be any worse than it is now? Let me tell you something. It could be worse. 
if by his stripes we are not healed, then it would be worse. It could be worse if the tomb still had the body of Jesus in it. But I've been to that tomb, or at least that's where they said it was. I went in there. I want to tell you something. Nobody was home. It would be worse. It would be worse if, if that tomb wasn't empty. It would be worse if the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, did not live inside of us and walk with us and direct us. That day, it would be worse on that day if the trump of God would not sound and the dead in Christ would rise first and then we who are alive would not join them in the air. If that wasn't going to happen, it would be worse. But here's the good news. Just as Jesus has arose, that is going to happen one day. The trump is going to sound, and Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, many say the resurrection, that's just a myth. But think about this. When they captured Jesus and took him prisoner, all the disciples deserted Jesus. They ran away. They denied him. But after the resurrection, something happened to them. They began to preach. They began to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ. They were transformed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, boldly proclaiming the message. Have you let the beauty and the power of the resurrection cause you to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Those disciples, all but one, turned out to be martyrs. You remember James. He was killed by Herod. He was stoned to death. What a horrible way to die. Peter, he was crucified. And, and, and tradition tells us upside down. What a way to die. They all faced persecution and death. John, they took him as a prisoner. They took him to the island of Patmos. And while he was there, he didn't sit there twiddling his thumbs. He wrote the last book of the Bible. He wrote the book of Revelation, which tells us about the events that are yet to happen. The beauty of the resurrection is the power it has to change a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl. The resurrection truly transforms us. We're forgiven by what Jesus did on that cross and that resurrection. Um, we are redeemed from our sins and we are transformed by the power of the resurrection. God's amazing grace flows through us. Let me give you an example. James, the half-brother of Jesus, before the crucifixion, James did not believe that his brother was the Christ. James did not believe that his brother was the Messiah. Let me ask you a question. Would you believe that your brother was the Messiah? I think I would have a problem with that. But after the resurrection, James became the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. He believed. Many say the Easter story is a myth. Could not have happened. Try to explain it away. I read this week about a college professor. 
He said he didn't believe in Easter. He didn't believe in the resurrection. It was all a myth. And he told his class that. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you. He took an egg out of the little refrigerator that he had. I said, I'm going to drop this egg to the floor. And to prove my point, if this, I'm going to see that gravity will take this egg down and it will break into a thousand pieces. I'm going to drop this egg to the floor. And science will prove that gravity will pull it down and it will break. If you believe in God, he said to his class, if you believe in God, say a prayer that that egg won't break. Say a prayer that that egg won't break. A little girl in the class, very shy Christian girl, raised her hand, said, I'll, I'll say a prayer, Professor. I'll, I'll say a prayer if you'll let me. He said, okay, here's what you wrote. Here's what you prayed, brother. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that when my professor drops this egg, you will prove that you gave us science and make this egg break into a hundred pieces. Dear Lord, I also pray that when the egg does break, my professor will have a heart attack and die. After that happened, Professor just stood there for a minute. He looked at the girl. He picked up the egg and he put it back in the refrigerator. And he said, class dismissed. He wasn't willing to put his life on the line that God does not exist. And you know that's good because God does exist. And he did arise from that grave. And because he lives, we live also. In this little book, The Easter Challenge, that uh, I want you to come and, and get today. Um, one of the stories in there, if you saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, in that movie, a whole squad ends up giving their lives to save this one soldier who can come back home after his brothers had been killed. So a whole squad gives their life for this one soldier. And as he's dying, the captain uh, says to him, he looks up to him, played by Tom Hanks, and he says, earn this. Earn this. In other words, a whole squad has died coming to save you and get you back home. Earn this. Don't you glad, aren't you glad, that Jesus Christ, on the cross, he didn't say, earn this. Here's what he said. Receive this. It's a free gift. Eternal life. It's a gift of grace. You can't earn it if you wanted to. He offers it to each of us when we accept him as Lord and Savior of our life. And no better time to do that than Easter Sunday, 2020. No better time to say, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for my sins. Come into my heart and make me new. I want to tell you something today. Death has been defeated. It's simply the road that takes us to our final place, which is that place called heaven. From this life, with all of its problems and troubles, to the next life with no problems and troubles. 
from the sadness and sorrow of Friday to the beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning when Jesus Christ arose, Easter Sunday. Our sins are forgiven. Death is defeated. Our eternal home is in a place called heaven. Jesus is alive this Easter Sunday morning. He will never, ever die again. Can somebody say amen? He will never, ever die again. He holds the keys to death and the grave. And because he lives, we live also. That angel on that first Easter Sunday said to the woman, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. He has risen. And that is the message of Easter. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for this great Easter Sunday morning. We thank you, Lord, because on that first Easter Sunday, you defeated death and the grave, and you came out of that grave. And today, you're alive. And one day, maybe soon, we're going to be with you forever and forever and forever in that place called heaven. I thank you for the First Baptist Church of Damascus. I thank you for all that worship here. I thank you for all that are listening in and watching us today. And if there would be one that's never made you the Lord and Savior of their life, let this be the time when they ask you to come into their heart and to come into their life. No better time than this Easter Sunday morning because you're alive you live, and because you live, we live forever and forever. We live always and always. Amen.